Let us hear the word of God as we find it written in the gospel according to St. Luke, reading there in the 13th chapter, beginning at the 10th verse. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity eighteen years, and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day, and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work. In them therefore come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, Thou hypocrite, dost not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall, and lead him away to watering? And not not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these eighteen years, be loose from this bond on the Sabbath day? And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning, dear friends in Christ Jesus. You may say to me, well, it's not a very good morning. No, it's rather dark and dismal. But I do hope that with Christ in our hearts, there is joy there and that we appreciate the privilege of coming to church and to worshiping our God this day. Today, as you know, is the 17th Sunday after Trinity. The incident that I just read from the Word of God took place over in the region of Perea, that region east of the Jordan, sometime in the four-month period before Jesus' death. We are told that it was a Sabbath day one of the synagogues. Just where in Perea, we are not told, but he was in that synagogue on this Sabbath and he was teaching. And we are told that there was in his audience on that Saturday morning, there was a woman who again had suffered for 18 years because of an evil spirit. And it manifested itself in this way that this woman was bent over and she simply could not stand erect. Picture her then in church way over and she simply couldn't stand up in that kind of a position for 18 years. And Jesus, when he saw her, he called her to him and he said, Woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. And he laid his hand on her, and we are told that immediately that woman who couldn't straighten up for 18 years, she stood up and naturally she glorified God. But the ruler, the president of the congregation was very indignant, and he was very embittered, and he had a lot of cruel words to say about working on the Sabbath. But this morning we'd like to look at this miracle of healing that Jesus performed on a certain Sabbath, somewhere in Perea. It is written in the word of God, and Jesus would have you and me do this because of this miracle of healing to thank him, to praise him, to express our gratitude to him for this miracle of healing, healing a woman who again was bent over for 18 long years. And you and I may say to ourselves, I am to thank Christ I am to praise him, I am to express appreciation to him, because nearly 2,000 years ago, somewhere in Perea, he healed a woman that was bent over double for 18 years. 
we may say to ourselves this morning, why? What, what does it mean to me? Does it give me any assurance with regard to him? Does this miracle of healing give me any comfort, not only when I'm ill, when I am sick, but also comfort every day of my life? And Jesus would call upon you and me this morning to thank him and to praise him for this miracle of healing because it would remind us that there is great assurance, there is a great guarantee, there is great certainty that you and I have about him because of this miracle of healing, and there is certainly great comfort and consolation and solace, not only when you and I are ill, but each moment of our lives. Let's look at this miracle this morning. What about assurance? Christ would remind you and me in the first place that this miracle of healing that he performed, yes, nearly 2,000 years ago over in Perea, that this miracle assures you and me that he was no less than God, that he was no less than the Savior. What is there as regards assurance in this miracle? The fact that he was able by a word to bring healing to a woman with seemingly a hopeless case, you and I say, he must have been God to have done that. You know, Isaiah, the prophet who lived 700 years before Jesus came, said that when Messiah would come, he said, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. He's going to be God, and he's going to be the Almighty God. He is going to do the miraculous. And so again, it had been predicted of Messiah that when he comes, he would do the miraculous. It was necessary when Jesus was here on earth in order to show that he was the Messiah, that he was the one about whom Isaiah said, that he was the one who would restore sight to the blind, who would do the miraculous, that he would do miracles, and that these would be signs to attest to the fact that he was more than a man, he was no less than God himself. This was the purpose of the miraculous, even as we see it in this miracle of healing. It goes without saying that I can't understand why in the church the matter of the miracles should be something that is causing so much trouble. That there are those in the church who are saying these miracles just really didn't happen. This is the way men wrote in that day. Uh, these are similes. These are uh, nothing but illustrations. Uh, these are nice myths in order to show the greatness of Christ. But I always like to ask this question. If they were factual, if these things were, as men say they were not, if these were actually original historic events, how would you say it any more than what it said here? Jesus said, you're loosed, and again, the woman stood up. How would you say it if it wasn't a miracle, if it wasn't a fact? What about the miracle? The miracle, why? Jesus had to give proof that he was no less than God himself, that he could do something that man could not do. This is assurance. How do I know that Jesus of Nazareth was no less than God, as the scriptures tell us, that he was second person of the Trinity, and that he was the Messiah by the miracle, by a simple miracle of healing over here in Perea. He attested to his deity, and that brings comfort, and I hope it does in your Christian life and mine, not only in the day of illness, but all the days of our life, that he was big enough to be our Lord and to be our Savior. I believe the miracles happened. I believe they were historic. I believe they were factual. 
I can't interpret it any other way. These occurred. These were not fairy tales. These were not sagas. These were not nice little illustrations. Christ healed the woman. That's what the Word of God says. And oh, what comfort then. No wonder Jesus would call upon you and me to thank and praise him uh, that again he healed a woman of an infirmity that she had for 18 years. We say, is there any great assurance that that gives me about him? Christ would say tremendous because he would also remind us that this miracle of healing that he performed assures you and me that he was the sinless one. He was absolutely without fault. He did not even violate the Sabbath day. Oh, there was quite a stir in that congregation that day after Jesus had healed. The president of the congregation, oh, there was an arrogance about him. He didn't address Jesus and say, you just worked. You, you profaned the Sabbath. You went and laid your hand on the head of this woman. And therefore, when healing her, you've worked and you've broken the Sabbath. In utter disdain, he turns to the congregation and he says to them, you know that there are six days in which you ought to work. If you want to get healed, come around in those days and not on the Sabbath. No wonder Jesus turned to him and he said, you hypocrite. Aren't you one? Would any one of you, when, again, don't you do this every Sabbath? You unloose your ox or your donkey, and you take them from the stall, and you give them water. And should not I, therefore, this woman who was a daughter of Abraham, who has been held in the vices of Satan for 18 years, you mean to say that I should not heal her? Oh, it wasn't an absolute necessity, now was it? If she was bent over for 18 years, she could have gone another day. Do we mean to say that only that which was necessary? What was the spirit of the Sabbath? God had said that man should not work. God worked six days and he rested on the Sabbath. And it was to be a wonderful day. But in the word of God, Jesus always reminded that God never said that you can't be merciful, you can't be compassionate, you can't be kind on the Sabbath. In fact, God's word says, I would have mercy rather than sacrifice. Mercy comes first. There's never a closed season on mercy. Don't ever let the idea of no work interfering with you showing mercy and kindness. Christ never violated the Sabbath. I've heard even Christian ministers say that he violated the Sabbath. He did not. Christ kept the Sabbath in its entirety. He absolutely fulfilled the very spirit of it. He showed mercy and kindness as he did here in Korea. And therefore I see his sinlessness. He had to show it why. And this brings comfort in the day of illness in your life and mine that we can say to ourselves, my Christ was a perfect Christ. And when he kept the Ten Commandments, he could keep them for me because he never sinned. He never thought an evil thought. He never spoke an evil word. He never did an evil deed. He was the sinless one, this miracle of healing on the Sabbath. He never broke the Sabbath day. Don't let anybody ever tell you that he did. Jesus would call upon you and me in this miracle of healing to thank and to praise him. And we may say, why? Uh, uh, that happened nearly 2,000 years ago. Where's there any assurance that that gives me about him? Where's there any comfort to me in my days of illness or in the again days when I am well? And Christ would remind you and me this, that that miracle, the very fact that it assures us that he was no less than God and a perfect human being, it therefore further assures us that on the cross, Jesus did provide deliverance from eternal death and the gift of eternal life for all men. When we look at him and we say, who was he that performed this miracle of healing? 
here in some synagogue, some place in Perea, he was no less than God, as Scripture had said he would be, attested by his miracles. He was no less than a perfect man without sin. And therefore you and I can say to ourselves, there is my assurance that when he died on the cross, God died. When he bore hell and damnation in my stead, he bore it for the entire human race. If there will have been 1,000 trillion human beings, he did it for all men because he was no less than God. And when again on that death on Calvary, he bore hell and damnation for all men, he merited a righteousness for the entire human race because he was true God and he was the sinless man. This is comfort in the day of illness. This is comfort in each day of your life and mine. No wonder Christ would say, Thank and praise me that one day, it was on a Sabbath to be sure, that I healed a woman that was bent over double for 18 long years. You say, where is there any great assurance? Why, this is assurance that I see in this. The very fact that he was able to heal her, we are told that she was suffering with an evil spirit. Jesus said, in the bonds of Satan. Some say, now you're going to talk about demon possession, aren't you? Yeah, we're going to talk about devils, and we're going to talk about the fallen angels. There are those that say, now in our 20th century enlightenment, we don't believe in Satan. We don't believe in the fallen angels. We don't believe that demons ever possessed human beings. This was their way of looking at illness. And then you'd have to say, well, then Christ adjusted himself to that, and he became part of that falsehood. Then Christ didn't know everything. Then Christ was not the Savior. Then Christ was just a person of his time. He was ignorant of something. But Dr. Luke is the one who records this, and he was the noble physician, and he records other miracles of healing where he doesn't mention demon possession. What does it all mean? On the basis of Scripture, this, Satan is a real person, an angel of God, and Satan, you know, turned against God and others rebelled, and there is an eternal animosity between the fallen angels, and it seems that when Jesus came, it was when all the forces of hell tried to do everything in order to prevent Calvary and eternal life. And in Jesus' day, Satan or the fallen angels could take possession of someone's body or of their mind. In this case, an evil demon had taken possession of this woman's body and had brought again this paralysis that she simply couldn't stand up. And yet our Christ, he turned and said, Woman, you're rid of your infirmity. Here is the assurance that Christ is bigger than Satan and the fallen angels and all the powers of hell. St. Paul was a brilliant man. He wasn't an ignoramus. He believed in Satan. He believed in the fallen angels. Remember, he said about that. He said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. This isn't our problem. We wrestle against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this present world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Paul said, we're wrestling against Satan and we're wrestling against the forces of hell. This is the battleground. And oh, what assurance in the day of your illness and mine, or in any day of our life, to know this, that because Christ has absolute power over Satan, Satan can never bring any illness in your life and mine without the permission of Christ. He simply can't do it. Nor can he ever snatch you and me away from our Christ and Lord. He simply can't do it. 
Paul was able to say, For I reckon that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. This is comfort in the day of illness when you and I may be unconscious and we may not know who we are to know this, that we have a Christ who has absolute supreme power that Satan can never grasp your soul and mind and ever snatch it for hell. It just can't be done. This is comfort because one day over in Korea was on a Sabbath day, Jesus, he healed a woman who was possessed of a demon. Christ showed who was boss that day, even as he is boss today. We said to ourselves, why should I thank and praise him for a miracle of healing that performed by him was performed by him about 2,000 years ago over in Korea, some place over in some synagogue. But it's recorded in the Word of God that you and I may say, here is assurance that I have because of that miracle. Here is comfort that I have regardless of the day in which I live or the illness that comes. It gives you and me this assurance and we realize this miracle. This was factual. This was an historic thing. This took place. This wasn't a fairy tale. This wasn't saga. This wasn't myth. This was fact. This was something that occurs. I have said, how in the world would you say it in the otherwise? If it, again, if you don't believe that it took place, how would you say it if it did? And it gives us this assurance that Christ, in healing that woman, he has absolute power over any disease, barring none, that may come in your life and mine. What an assurance we have in Jesus Christ. We say sometimes, the illness that comes to us or to our loved ones, we talk about it being hopeless. What do you mean hopeless? There is no sickness, there is no disease that is ever hopeless from the standpoint of Jesus Christ. He showed it that day over in Korea. There was a woman bent over double for 18 years and couldn't straighten up. Here was a woman possessed of a devil. But Jesus Christ said, you're loose. You're rid of it. Who has all power? Do you know of any disease that's bigger than his power? I don't. It isn't cancer. It isn't heart trouble. I don't care what you and I can name. There is nothing that stands as an absolute power and that Jesus cringes at and says, I'm hopeless in this situation. This is the assurance that you and I have. Let me tell you, that brings comfort then. It brings this comfort, that in your prayer life and mind to him, we ought never to pray in a spirit of hopelessness to be despondent and to say he can't do anything. Isn't it a comfort to know we've got a Christ to whom we can turn who has all power in heaven and in earth, who can heal any disease, who can do anything. This is comfort. This is consolation. This is peace to a Christian even in this 20th century.
We say, where's there any assurance that I should thank and praise him, that my heart should be glad because he healed a woman been over her 18 years? Well, Jesus reminds you and me that it also, this miracle of healing, gives us the assurance that if Faith healers, and it's a big day, isn't it, in the church? Faith healers. I wonder if we fail to realize why the miracle of healing in the first place. Christ did not heal every sick person in Palestine. The great reason for healing was this, to attest to it. That's eternal life. They turned their backs on Jesus when he didn't heal them or feed them. They didn't want salvation. If you want to get a crowd, it isn't the gospel preaching that brings the crowd today. Go out and be a faith healer. That's what brings it. People don't care about life and salvation. Yet Christ came to die for that. This thing of healing. I don't believe in faith healers. Christ has done all of the miracles that we need, and they're recorded in Scripture taught by his resurrection. We don't need one more miracle of healing. I don't believe in faith healers. I believe faith heals to be sure. I believe that my prayer to Jesus Christ when I'm ill is just as effective as your prayer or the prayer of any man. I don't need a faith healer. He doesn't have any more power in prayer than you or I do. We've both got the same Christ. Something's happening. Until I can see a faith healer and that I can see a person with a broken hip, and you and I know it's broken and see it healed immediately, I don't believe in faith healers, nor do I go or would I go to one. Because there's always an answer. If you didn't get healed, your faith isn't strong enough. And then you and I said, if my faith isn't strong enough to heal me, my faith isn't strong enough to save me. And then God knows you and I are in trouble. Jesus Christ has given us every miracle of healing that we need. The church had better realize there's something bigger than healing. Oh, sure he heals. Because Christ gives us this assurance that he always heals you and me and our illnesses, or he gives us something better than healing. You may say to me this morning, Preacher, what's better than having health? May I ask you very simply to be saved, to be rescued from hell, to go to heaven, that's better. That's eternal. That's far greater. And you see, sometimes when he doesn't heal your body and mind, he does it for one reason that you and I can learn to evaluate, that we can see that there is a difference. Rather strange that he healed this woman. Rather strange, though, a man like St. Paul, the greatest missionary that ever lived, he had an illness, whatever it was, we don't know, a thorn in the flesh, and he constantly, three times he said, I prayed to God to take it away, and God's answer was no. And he died with it. You say, I wonder why. Wasn't Christ the Son of God? Paul died with it. Remember when Jacob was at, again, when Jacob was over at the book Jabbok, and when Christ before his incarnation wrestled with him and Jacob said, I want my sins forgiven. And Christ forgave him his sins and then touched his hip and gave him a crippled body. He lived from that time on. Forgotten it? Rather strange how differently he deals with us. Jesus always heals unless he gives us something better. You say, what better, preacher? Well, eternal life, patience, 
to learn again to trust. So that even in the illness, we begin to see Christ through a tear. That's only when he begins to appear beautiful. When we begin to see heaven through a tear, that's when that blessing for which God died begins to have value. This text this morning, you will forgive some personal comments, means a great deal to me for two reasons. The one is this. This is the first text that I had as a student in the seminary that I preached on in my first year at Cap University. In your first year, your professor hands you a text, and this is the one you preach on. I shall never forget it. It was on this woman bent down with a spirit of infirmity. I was scared to death to stand in God's pulpit before my classmates and my professor and to conduct a church service. I remember writing to my mother and telling her I'm going to preach. It was on a Tuesday, I recall. And I remember the answer I got back from her. She said, I'll be in the living room, and I'll be in my chair, and I'll be with my Bible, and I'll be real quiet, and I'll be praying for you. I'll never forget that as long as I live. That's one reason why I'd like this text. Another, that during, at the end of my sophomore year at Cap University, I had a great bout with a kidney stone, and I needed healing. And I was told by the doctor that there was a great possibility that a kidney was destroyed and that I would lose my left kidney. I did a lot of praying that night. I wanted to be a minister, and I said to the Lord, and well, if it's going to be a ministry with only one kidney, I hope I'll have the strength because it's a rigorous thing in the ministry. But Jesus was good. The stone was removed, and I still have those two kidneys today. It's been a tremendous blessing, 41 years in the ministry. I don't deserve it, but I've never missed a Sunday in 41 years because of illness. Oh, I've been sick like you have. I preached some Sundays and I thought I couldn't stand up. I've held myself up occasionally, but I always said as long as I can stand up and I can talk, if it's my time to preach, I'm going to, to preach. God's been good. And what a privilege it's been, may I say, for nearly 35 years to be your shepherd when illness have come to you, to be able to point you to the Christ the one that has all power. He is the Savior. And when again illness has come to your loved ones and death came, to be able to comfort you in the assurance that it's through death, he who has all power to grant healing, that he takes our loved ones to eternal life. It's been a joy. It's been a privilege. And I certainly thank you that I could be your shepherd for nearly 35 years and walk the glory road with you. And in illness, to come and bring comfort that we could pray together to the Christ of all power, that when you could see him through a tear in your illness, you saw that he was beautiful. That we have been able to walk the glory road together and to sing together about him, beautiful Savior, King of creation, Son of God and Son of man, Truly I'd love thee, truly I'd serve thee, light of my soul, my joy, my crown. This is the Christ 
that you've given me the privilege of telling you about. I thank you. Amen. The peace of God which passeth all human understanding, keeping unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting.